Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is brought to our church by our youth and media pastor, Robert Elliott. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Okay, so Daniel chapter 1, we'll read, uh, we'll start in verse number 3. We'll be uh, going through it uh, all the way down to verse number 8, but for now we'll just read verse number 3. And uh, if you would stand with me for just a, the reading of God's word, it says, And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding science and such as had the ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning in the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Verse number eight, if you jump down there, it says this, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs, that he might not defile himself. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the music that we were able to sing just a moment ago. Just uh, thank you that your your mercy is so great and your love for us is is just unmeasurable, God. And I pray that we would just be able to be reminded of some truths this morning and that you would draw us closer to you. God, I pray if there's anybody here this morning that doesn't know that you are uh, their savior, God. I pray that today they'd be able to make that decision to trust in you and you alone. Uh, God, I pray for uh, me as I speak. I pray for others, uh, Lord, that are, that I pray for our kids' class workers downstairs and upstairs as they uh, deal with and help help kids and teach God's word to them. I pray for pastor as he is in California preaching as well at this moment. I pray that you'd use uh, your word uh, to impact our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. By way of background, I'm gonna, we're going to work our way through uh, through this chapter, really just down to verse number eight. Uh, it says there in verse number one, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. This is bad. This is bad. What's taking place here? Besiegement, as you may know, it means that they were surrounded. Uh, and all the supplies were cut off. You may have seen this depicted in some movie or show or, or just uh, read, read books about this taking place. Uh, it's, it was a very terrible process uh, for those that were being besieged. A uh, very uh, difficult time for sure. Uh, really, at this point, God's people who had not been living like God's people, but God's chosen people nonetheless, there was an awareness at this point that as the besiegement was complete, we're done. Uh, we've had it. Jerusalem, it's in ruins. And uh, it says in verse number two, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. I'm gonna read on, but before I do, it, it says that the Lord gave the king of Judah into his, the enemy's hand. God's people knew that. I, they, I, I believe that with all my heart. They knew what, what was taking place 
was allowed by the Lord. That you see, they had been hearing for some time, if you don't change your ways, uh, this is what's going to happen. Enemies are going to come. Uh, they're going to besiege you. They are going to conquer you and they're going to defeat you. And there was an understanding even the heart, in the hearts of God's people, uh, we've been given by God into the hands of our enemies. Uh, and in verse number two, it, it says this, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. So already in these first two verses, we've already read about three kings. Uh, and we have, you have Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim is the king of Judah. And if, if you're wondering more about him, Second Chronicles 36, five, it says Jehoiakim, uh, was 20 and five years old when he began to reign and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem and he did that which was what? Evil in the sight of the Lord, his God. Uh, Jehoiakim was the son of Josiah. You might recognize that name. He was the young, young boy that became king at the age of eight and he led in this great revival uh, and, and many people turned back to God. But as we can see here, that didn't last. It didn't last. The, the revival that took place in the kingdom of Judah, it didn't last. And Jehoiakim and many other children of Israel did that which was evil in the sight of God. Then you also have another king, King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, he was the king of Babylon. And uh, Babylon was a, a great and powerful empire. Uh, and uh, the city of Babylon would be located in modern-day Iraq, about 55 miles south of what is now Baghdad. And uh, a few things about Nebuchadnezzar. He was a brilliant, yet a brutal king. Uh, he was incredibly an, an intellectual man. He was talented. He, he, uh, his, he ruled the empire and expanded it a great deal uh, during uh, his reign. And it included uh, modern-day Egypt, Turkey, Iraq, and, of course, uh, in, down into Israel. Uh, more is written about Nebuchadnezzar is interesting than any other wicked king in all of Scripture. Uh, you, you find his name in nine other books of the Bible. He was an excellent builder, uh, and even some of the ruins of, of uh, his kingdom, his, uh, his empire, are still remain to this day. And... Um, and the empire of Babylon experienced incredible growth under his reign. And so we have, we have uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, but also there's a third king already that we've read about, and that's the Lord of hosts, the God that we serve. Because we see a Jehoiakim who neglected God. We see Nebuchadnezzar who, who led the children of Israel in, into captivity. But none of this happened without the consent of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It says in verse two, the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. Jeremiah 43, 10 says this, and, and say unto them, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will send and take Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and it says my servant. I, 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 I find it interesting that how God refers to Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, as his servant, uh, one that was doing his, his will. Uh, and I find great comfort in the fact that God is sovereign. Even the most wicked kings are subservient to the power of God. And, uh, and so uh, that, that's an awesome thought because even the most wicked and wicked ruler that you could think of today is subservient to our God. 
And so God allowed his people to be conquered and then to be taken into captivity. And, uh, and that's where Daniel begins. And I, I wanna look at a few things about what Nebuchadnezzar did and his plans and how they were, they were three, threefold. Uh, first of all, his plan was to, to disable their worship, the worship of, of the, the, um, the nation of, of Judah. And it says, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessel of, vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God, kind of like a prized possession of a defeated foe. He took these, these, all the things that were used in worship to, the, the, uh, to God, and he took them into the, 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 the storehouse in the, the, um, where his gods were worshiped. The, these false idols were worshiped and, and as a prized possession. And so the first thing we see that he did was disable their worship. They, not everyone in Israel was taken captive. Not everybody was taken to Babylon and uh, as, a, as a captive to, do, to then become a Babylonian. Uh, some were left behind. Those that were not killed in the, in the siege were, were, were left behind. And, uh, and the children of Israel, a, a, lot, a lot of the divided kingdom stayed there in Judah. But they, they were not not there any longer with their temple artifacts, what they were meant to worship God with. And uh, so his plan was to disable their worship, but also the second part of his plan was to destroy the city. And we see this taking place and they destroyed it. And in, in uh, other parts of the Bible write about how devastating it was there in Jerusalem. And it says this in, in Jeremiah 52, it says, now, on, now in the fifth month, in the 10th day of the month, which, which was the 19th year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came, uh, ne- ne- uh, I guess, Neb, uh, I can't even say it. Yeah, that guy. He, the captain of the guard, uh, which served the king of Babylon into Jerusalem and burned the house of the Lord and the king's house and the houses of Jerusalem and all the houses of the great men. He burned he with fire. He's raising the city, everything, the temple that, that was built, uh, it, by, it, everything. And, uh, and all the army of the Chaldeans that were with the captain of the guard break down, down all the walls of Jerusalem round about. The nation of Israel, they'd become a divided nation. They turned their back on God over and over, they worship false gods, and God, and God, it seemed, is giving them exactly what they ordered. What, what was taking place here is, is he's allowing this to take place. Uh, he, he allows this once great city to be burned to the ground. Then the nation is conquered, and many of God's people are taken captive to become Chaldean pretty sad uh, story that we read about here uh, taking place. And then, uh, so destroyed the city. And then also he, he wanted to indoctrinate their future. Uh, we will get into this in a second, but his plan was to teach him, teach all those that he took captive the way of the Chaldeans. In verse three, all the way down to verse eight, it says this, and the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding science, and such as had the ability in them to stand in the king's palace and uh, whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. 
And the, and the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and unto Hananiah of Shadrach, and unto Mishael, and to Mishael uh, Meshach, and unto Azariah of Abednego. Not to bed do we go, as some people say. Uh, it, uh, and so, but and then in verse number eight, it says, but Daniel purposed into heart, in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. There are pressures that we all have faced in the course of our lives. Uh, some have suggested that this pressure is only or primarily faced by those that are teenagers or young people. Uh, but I, have the oppor- I had the opportunity to be a teenager once, and now I'm a little bit older than a teenager, not much. I'm still, I'm only 31 years old. Uh, and I've seen this that in my life, but and also I, I know this just from uh, conversations and just seeing it take place in others that... Uh, even as you get older and the years pass by, this pressure remains with you every step of the journey. The pressure that I'm referring to is often just referred to as peer pressure. As long as you have peers in your life, they are going to be, they are going to bring pressures into your life. It's something which we all deal with. Peer pressure simply is defined this as, as the influence of those around us. And uh, we are constantly being influenced by those around us. Peer pressure leads us to the place in our lives when we seek to do uh, what we do to conform into an expected image. Uh, And we, we try to conform our lives to match what we believe others expect from us. Uh, This is peer pressure. Now we know that in the world, which we live, there is pressure like this. And some of it, it's fine. I mean, some of it's just normal and a part of life and, and really isn't, isn't a big deal. Uh, I mean, I, I think of some of the social, social norms that we just have in our society and that are part of every single society. What, uh, no matter where you live, there's pressures to, do, to live a certain way and to act a certain way. Uh, and some of this is good. I mean, like chewing with your mouth closed in pub, it, is just... Just period, a good thing, you know, and that's, uh, I, maybe there's cultures that aren't that way, but you know, uh, there's uh, pressures to, you know, just uh, dress a certain way or uh, uh, for, I mean, some of you know this and in 2020 and all this, all through the stuff that we went through, you know, there was a pressure to uh, wear a certain thing that covered your face. And, uh, and, you know, I remember when it was like everybody, everybody did. I mean, it was like we were, everybody was scared and going through and just like, it was just everybody where I'm not making a big deal about it. And whether you wore masks or didn't wear masks, I'm just saying if there was a pressure there to wear a mask, if you're going in a store, I remember the first time I saw somebody in a store not wearing a mask. I'm just like, what is he doing? And, uh, and, and everybody is like staring at this person. And it was, it was my friend. And, uh, and, uh, anyway, and, and then like things change and then now, now there's the pressure if, if there's somebody wearing a mask and there's like, why is that person wearing a mask in their car? You know, all that stuff. But, uh, but you know, there, there's some pressures in life and regardless of some, 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 uh, some of these pressures in our culture may be good and fine, whatever. But I, I want us to understand that there are other aspects to this pressure in our lives and in this world that are absolutely deadly sinful, 
and that can ruin a life in a hurry. Now, we have, the, we have to understand that God's plan, it's good, and, and that, that he has great plans for our life and, and for his children. And, uh, and if you were with us on Thursday night when uh, we, had, we had our service and we had West Coast Baptist College up here and their singing group, and it was great, we had a good time. Uh, my, my friend, Dr., Dr. Rasmussen, who was my best friend's dad growing up, and we just, I spent a lot of time at his house. He got up here and preached and, uh, and talked, talked about uh, God's will. And he talked about happiness is, is knowing God's will and doing it. And that's really what his message was, uh, was about. And, uh, and we, we know this and that, that, uh, that is true. And Jeremiah 29 says this, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. This is God. He has an expected end for us. We have, we have, we have a good God that loves his children. And he thinks of the end. He, he, knows, he knows the beginning from the end. He can see that and he thinks of that and he's trying to lead us into a good place. He's got peaceful thoughts, the Bible says. He's got good thoughts for us. And there is a process through which God leads his children in this life to conform us into his image. And there, there are peers that seek to conform us into their expected image or into their image, but there is a God by way of a process that we often refer to as sanctification that desires to conform us into his image. And and he, that, that's his will. That is God's will for us that we would be conformed into the image of God. The Bible says this in Romans eight twenty nine. He addresses this. It says, uh, and for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed into the image of his son. This was a passion of Paul's heart. As you, as you see his writings, you read through uh, many of the writings of Paul. Another time we see him writing to the believers that were in Philippi. He says in Philippians 3, it's on the screen, it says, uh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. Church, just as there is a good God, who has a wonderful plan for your life, we need to know this, that there is also a bad devil who has a disastrous plan for your life. And the plan that Satan has is for your life involves being conformed to the image of this world, a world that does not know God. We are warned about this in Romans 12. It says, and be not conformed to this world. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that we may prove, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The Bible addresses this tension. And there's this pressure all around us that we face every single day. And there is a pressure at times within us that we face every single day. And there's also a pressure, a divine pressure that God has on our life to conform to the image of Christ. The Bible is clear. It is our role in life to see to it that we are not being conformed to the world, that we are not being conformed into the, the, the image of this world, but, we are, we, are, but we, we are not to allow the pressures from this world to hold us down, to keep us from what God would have us to be. And by, by his grace and for his glory, God has something for us and, and, 
and a plan for our lives. I believe uh, as you look into God's word, I, I believe this, it, it, that it is hard to find a better example than Daniel of somebody that just rose above the pressures of this world and, and to conform into this world and just lived for God. And so we're gonna look at Daniel to, and, uh, and, and, and here in a second. But to be honest, I, let's, I want to say this too before we move on. Daniel, had Daniel in this land, I mean, he's going into ba- in Babylon, we'll talk about it in a second, had just kind of forsaken all that he had ever heard, all that he claimed to know at one point, and just lived like all the other Babylonians that he was surrounded by day in and day out, I don't know if many of us would have looked at him and blamed him very much. He, he'd been through a lot. I mean, if you agree, we talked about it. I read through some of the things that took place in, in Judah and in Jerusalem. Uh, he had been through a lot and he was under some extreme pressures. The trauma was intense. We wouldn't have approved of it, but we might have said we understand it. I, 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 if you really place yourself in his situation, I think we would have just, I understand. You know, Daniel, it's, it, it, it happened. But Daniel, in the face of all this adversity, he lived a life that reflected God. And so we're gonna look here in Daniel's life and we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna look at three different attributes quickly today. And I won't be as long as some services that we sit through. Uh, and so, I mean, they're awesome. I, I'll, try, I'll try to be quick and, and, and I don't wanna say anything about that because I'll get in trouble. Uh, anyway, so uh, we're gonna look at three attributes of Daniel that allowed him to rise above the pressure that he was under and to live for God, okay? And uh, so what was it that allowed Daniel by God's grace to rise above? So here's the first word. The first word is identity. First word is identity. Uh, and Daniel never forgot who he was. Now, when you read through the verses very clear, carefully that we, were, we just read a moment ago, you can tell what's going on. Uh, the Babylonians took the young people and they, they thought, they, 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 they looked at, for young people that they thought showed some promise and, uh, and who they could add to the kingdom. And they began to strip them of all that they knew and replace it with what they wanted them to become. They tried to take these Hebrew young men and transform them into Babylonian young men or Chaldean young men. They wanted to basically change their identity. We see this taking place. Verse number four, it says, children in whom there was no blemish. That means they're good looking. But well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge. They were skillful. You know, they had some skills. Uh, and understanding science. They were smart. This is a tough combination. I mean, where can you find the, the com- those combinations of the people? It just doesn't normally happen. But uh, uh, well-mannered. I, I, I was gonna call some people up to illustrate this, but I, there, was no, there was no guys in this church that fit this description. I'm sorry. Uh, good-looking, skillful, smart, well-mannered. Uh, uh, the ability to stand in the king's palace. Uh, what a combination. Anyway, so, uh, and... It says, in whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Uh, when, they were in, when they were enrolled in this three-year course that we read about, some have called it the Babylonian University. It was the three-year study and not a place where their young minds were taught how to think. Uh, it was a place where their minds were taught what to think. Uh, it, was, it was a place of indoctrination. 
uh, where their young minds were being exposed day in, day out, night in, night out to the philosophies of this world. Uh, and they, they were seeking to change their identities. They were, there was this peer pressure of the most intense kind and they took away everything that was familiar to these young men. I mean, think about it. They, they, they gave them a new address. It, they were not living in Judah anymore. They gave them a new address. They gave them uh, new outfits. Uh, they, they sought to give them new diets. They, they, they gave them new, new names even. A total, I, try, trying to change their identity. Uh, think about it. Daniel had a great name. Uh, the name. The name that Daniel had, it means this. God, God is my judge. That's a great name. It's a great name to have. It, even uh, There's an understanding even in that name that I'm living for God. I'm interested in how God views my behavior. Uh, he, he was then given a new name when he entered Bam- Babylon. It, he, gave, he was given the name Belteshazzar. That name means this, Bel will protect me. Bel was a false Babylonian deity. And again, the, the, they were trying to turn these Hebrew young men into Chaldeans. It was about identity replacement. As far as, as we watch Daniel in this setting, we find that he refused, he refused to forget who he was. He, he didn't let the things that he was enduring change and forget who he was. And so uh, as we watch Daniel in this setting, we find that he, he knew that he was not a, a Babylonian young man. man. Uh, and yet at the same time, I think, think about this as well. At the same time, as he was going through all these different things, there was this idea in his heart. He wasn't going to mourn his way through his life as, as if he were a victim. And he, 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 uh, he accepted the fact that God had allowed this and he had a purpose still for Daniel's life. This is a very tough situation. I mean, we can look at Daniel's life and be like, I've never been in that kind of situation before. And that would be a tough place to be. But he didn't, he didn't just be, be a, oh, woe is me. And, and go through life just, just as a victim. No, he, he accepted it as, as realizing God had a purpose for his life. He didn't understand it at the time. I guarantee you, Daniel did not have what we are reading now. I'll mention at the end. He did not have verses eight and on that, that showed the, 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 um, uh, what happened afterwards. And he didn't know this, but he, he, got, he recognized God had a purpose for his life. And he didn't allow the season in his life to remove him from his faith in his God. And so Daniel's whole world had been replaced with this whole new world. But Daniel had a heart that said, you can change everything around me, but you cannot and you will not change me. You will not change what is within me. I belong to God. Daniel knew I cannot change my circumstances, but by God's grace, I will not let my circumstances change me. And, uh, and so when we seek to conform to this world and, and gain their acceptance, uh, what we do is we surrender the joy of living in fellowship with God. The Bible, it, fear leads that way. And the, the word of God teaches us in, in Proverbs 29, it says, the fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Uh, in our small groups, we went through a series called Stop Trying and uh, looking at this, the idea of our identity being found in Christ. 
And, uh, and it was a great series to, to, to be reminded of who we are and who we are in Christ. And, and just the week after week, as we looked at this idea, uh, it really was so helpful. And in, in the times that we are living, it might be a good thing for us to remind ourselves of our identity, of who we are. And parents, it might be a good thing for you to remind your children, if they're believers, of who they are in Christ. Grandparents, it may be a good thing for you to remind your grandchildren of who they are and the, 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 how, who God has made them to be in Christ and, and their identity. Uh, it might be good for them to uh, them and us to remember that they are blood-bought children of the Most High God. We have, a, that we have a purpose that's greater than ourselves, that we are indwelt by the God, the Holy Spirit. And the, a, lot, a lot may be happening on the outside and all around us, but it's most important, important what is happening on the inside, what God is doing. So Daniel, we asked him, ask him what, how did you survive Babylon, Daniel? Uh, I believe we see these, this understanding of identity. He had this understanding of identity. But... We also see this idea of individuality, individuality. Daniel was willing to stand alone. Now I need to say this thought before moving on into this, into this point. It was not Daniel's goal in life to stand alone. It wasn't his goal. It, he wasn't some cranky, crabby guy who was just looking to argue about everything and somehow find a way to make himself more right than everybody else that he came in contact with. Uh, that was not his attitude. But in his heart was this. In the midst of doing that which God would have me to do, if I find no one standing with me, I'll be willing by God's grace and for God's glory to stand alone. I believe that was Daniel's attitude. What's awesome about the, the story of Daniel's life, though, is, is that God did bring some wonderful people, and we read, read of them just a moment ago, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, that were willing to stand and had his heart to stand with him. Uh, and, uh, but really, there's a key here in the midst of all this peer pressure. It's a willingness to stand alone. All, all of us, at times, we need to make decisions that go against the grain. The expectations for him, they were enormous, all of the Babylonians, they're pressuring Daniel and, and these young men to conform to their image. But what makes it even more difficult at this point, I, th- I believe for Daniel, is, to, is that many of the other Hebrew young men that were brought to Babylon with him that had been taken captive, they just seem to adjust. They, they adapt rather quickly to their new lives, to their new home. The vast majority, it appears from scripture, just jumps right into their new life. The verse five, it says this, and the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years that in the end thereof they might stand before the king. So the Bible lets us know that there was a three-year training program and at the very beginning, they were assigned a special diet from the king. We'll talk more about this diet in a minute, but as far as Daniel knows, at this moment in his life, every one of his fellow captives are just going to assimilate into this program. They're just gonna go along. 
They, they, they are willing just to, to, to do whatever is asked of them, regardless of who or what is, is, is against it. And so, um, so he was willing, he's not making this decision based upon who is going to stand with me. There was a willingness to stand alone. Again, we would expect the pressure from Babylon, right? I mean, this is uh, assimilation 101, right? If, if you, they are beginning where every other culture throughout all of history uh, that has desired to change young people uh, into their own image has begun, right? So uh, th- this is where what we would have expected from them. They, they took the young people, they were doing all these things, uh, w- w- and it must have been tough, however, for Daniel to see his companions, the ones he grew up with, you know, the, the ones that had some of the same childhood experiences that, you know, he'd expect, you, you know, to, to, to be continued living how God would have them to live, uh, many of them just giving in, many of them just going along. There may be times in the life of a Christian and there will be times as you follow God that others will maybe belittle you for doing that which you believe is right. At the heart of everyone that rises above all that pressure is a willingness to endure seasons when you stand alone if needs be. And uh, the apostle Paul, huge giant of the faith, he wrote to Pastor Timothy. Pastor Timothy, he said this, at, at, at my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Timothy is saying this, you need to understand there may be times in your life that no man will stand with you. Paul stood and God blessed his life for that. Would you agree with me that God blessed his life for standing? In a time when he was looking around and nobody was standing with him, God blessed him for that. And it's very hard to seek to be used by God to change the world if we are living just like the world. And Paul was willing to stand alone. Daniel, he was willing to stand alone. So the first word we saw was this identity. The second word, uh, identity. He, Daniel wasn't for, didn't forget who he was. Then we saw individuality. Daniel was willing to stand alone. And the final word this evening, or morning, this morning, it's, it's still morning, right? I haven't gone that long. Uh, is this integrity, integrity. Daniel was committed to doing right. He was committed. He had integrity. He, he had a strong moral compass that was attached to the truths of God's word. That's, that's, that's what he cared about. He had, he had this strong moral cor- cor- compass that he was committed to doing what God's word said. Uh, on Thursday, we just celebrated uh, uh, Lainey, our, our daughter, Elena Lou, Louise, uh, Lainey Lou, uh, and we celebrated her first birthday. And uh, it was so much fun just to see uh, to see her, we get, give her some presents, had her try to open them, and she just plays with the wrapper, you know, and just all that stuff. But it, it, we did that, had a good time. And then we gave her a cake. We did this with all three of our kids. We gave, her, gave them this, this little cake that, um, that uh, we put a frosting all over and, and then put it right in front of her and then basically see what she, she does. And uh, we did this with Adeline, with Weston. Addie was pretty like, what is this thing? And like barely touching it, you know, uh, kind of like just some girls, I don't know, uh, but not wanting to get dirty, you know, like what is on my hands kind of thing. And then Weston, like any normal boy was just like dove all in and, and it was devouring this cake and it was great to watch. 
And then Lainey surprised me as well. She just, I mean, uh, we posted a video. I actually have a video. I wanna, let's watch it. I want to I wanna see what, let you see kind of what, what she did. This is Lainey on her birthday. Uh, and uh, she was having a blast with it for a little bit. And then she dove right in. It was great. Give it a second. Don't laugh. That's somehow some of you guys eat their food. <laughs> yep, she was, she was loving it. So, I mean, it, the video goes on, and she does it multiple times. She just c- continues to, to put her face in there and, uh, and go for it. And it was a blast to watch. And uh, we, um, we did this. Uh, and Beth, Beth I, I told Beth what I'm preaching, and she, she's like, and that you should bring bring this up because really I, I bet this is similar. I don't know at all, but it, just looking at it from Daniel's perspective, uh, maybe he's sitting there at the table, you know, the first meal, and and all these all these uh, Hebrew Hebrew young men are lined up and sitting down, and they 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 you know they uncover the the, the food that they're about to eat. And, and this is like the scene that we see before us is just a massive like diving in and, uh, and just, enjoy, and, I mean, I don't know if that's like the manners that they had back then, but uh, this pro- I can imagine for some of them is like meat, you know, and, uh, and going for it. And, uh, and, and uh, I, you know, I just, and then Daniel, obviously we know his response and, and that of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In verse eight, it says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. In other words, he says this, as a Hebrew young man, I cannot participate or partake in a diet that goes against the laws, the dietary laws which I have received from my God. The diet offered by the king consisted of food that Jewish people were forbidden to eat. And it was very clear, very clear to these young men, to every single boy that was going to Babylon, they knew exactly what they were doing. And when, when, when the food was offered to them, Daniel just could not go along with something that was wrong. In the face of all this pressure, he determined to do what was right, even though it was not popular. Paul was willing, to, uh, writing, he was writing to the church of, of Corinth and he gives us a verse that's a pretty well-known verse for our church. It's a very well-known verse. In 2020, we had, this is our theme verse for the year. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, it says this, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Unmovable. And uh, it, it, might not, it might help to know the context of these words that were written to a church that was a compromising in, in so many different areas that were sinful. This was not a church that was a model for Moses Lake Baptist to desire to desire to be like. Uh, it was a church with a lot of problems. And yet to this church, we find this wonderful verse of scripture teaching them and us that there is power in a life that knows right and that does right. In verse eight, Daniel says more than once, I, did not, I do not want to defile myself. Daniel had to have the heart. I don't care what the world does. I don't care what the world says is good and right and acceptable and even moral. 
Uh, he, he was the kind of young man that said, listen, I refuse to defile myself. I have an integrity that is anchored and rooted in God's word. I love the thought that he had the heart that said, if everyone else is doing it, I'm not gonna do it. Even if those who I love the most, who I'm missing right now, those fam- maybe the family members back in Judah that, that he was missing with all his heart, even if they never know what I do right now at this very moment, I still am going to do that which I know the Lord would have me to do and that which is right. He had a heart that said, I will know and God will know. That's integrity. So, you know, how we by God's grace can learn to rise above in the day which we are living. We can let a passage like what we just read to serve as a portion of scripture that not just that we just simply read, but serve as a portion of scripture that we let turn around and read us. I mean, the kind of passage that we, we would look into as if it was a mirror and, and say, God, in terms of identity, who is really conforming me? It, and am, am I looking like you in the course of my life or, or not? It, 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 have I forgotten who I am, whose I am? Maybe it's the matter of individuality. Maybe this morning we need to let God show us that there have been some times when we have, have thought, you know, I'll sit this one out. Uh, maybe some of your decisions have been based solely on what's, what, what a particular person is doing or what a particular group is doing or saying or, or, or promoting. Rather than, the heart that says, rather than a heart that says, God, what do you think? I'll stand for you. Maybe it's a matter of integrity. Daniel said, you know, I absolutely refuse to do anything that would defile myself. I have a love and devotion for God. You know, what would be good, a good thing for us to do this morning, for all of us, including me, before we leave the building, say to God, would you look my life over completely? In, in Psalm 139, praying this prayer, search me, O God and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.